know, an anointing with what he's talking about. And yeah, he just, he like, just... He, when you get him on topic, he can really, really go. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, there's other times. There's, he's so funny, too, because, like, there was... Um, I, one time it was, uh, we were driving, he went with me actually up to the cabin to like where my dad's building his cabin and everything up to all that property, everything mm-hmm. up there. And then, uh, so I drove and like literally we're riding back and he can pass out in like two seconds. I've driven <laughs> with him so many times and it's like, I'm talking to him. And then as soon as I like get up something <laughs> where like his, his focus like starts to shift, he's just like out. Like it was like two seconds. I look over his <laughs> <laughs> but then I'd start talking to something like his, he's like, where his mind on. starts going. Yeah. And then mega all, all. he can just go. So it was hard. Like the whole time, cause I was like tired too. And I didn't want to fall asleep driving back or anything. And I'm just kind of bored. And I'm like, man, it'd be nice to talk to him. So I'm trying <laughs> to keep the conversation going. But yeah. Here's these two, Jessica. Just said yeah. she got these made. Dude, so when are you going again? In April. April. My mom's going now too, so. Yes! Really good. Really good. That's good. Your dad's not gonna go though. No. Because um, of the business and everything. Oh, They're so going, I think, like the week before yeah, to Belgium, yeah, for their anniversary. So that kind of put a little wrench in it, I guess. But, but it'll work out, so. There's just so much. Uh pressure to go all these different places is always at least in my world always someone asking you to go somewhere or asking can you go and it's hard to right. yeah do all of that yeah and it's weird too because like you I think that's one thing like I've never I've said that multiple times like I've never really felt like a strong urge to go to missions or do missions or anything and I don't know if maybe some of that reason is because there's still I feel like there's still a lot here Mm-hmm. which is it's weird there's like this like you talk about principalities and powers it's like there's one over it seems like there's some over every region and it's like the yeah. one in the United States it seems more just and it's not super strong I mean you see there's a lot of people who are really really good I feel like we just fall into complacency mm-hmm. and then it's like there's not a hunger really for that I was see just much. talking to my friend about this and you're right, like, you know, there is such a need here for the gospel in a culturally saturated place where, like, you know, the gospel is, you know, between here and anywhere, there's probably 10 churches within 10 minutes. You know, it's just like that we, we have a saturated, especially here in the South, like, we're saturated with access. You know, we're saturated with access. And I was telling my friend today, the problem here is not access or even uh, ability. The problem is revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, because we can have all the ministries, but it literally means nothing without the point to which they all go, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, like, I aspire to preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. Like there's no point unless we have a revelation of Jesus Christ. And I was telling my friend Clay, he was saying, you know, how do we change this? How do we change? And I was just thinking, if we think of Jesus on common terms, then we will treat him as such. And there's, I can't conjure up a love 
but God has called us back to our first love. And like that is something that only God can do, you know? So I, I think in the United States, you're right. There's like, there's a, there's a problem like that. We have a spiritual deficiency. We're spiritually malnourished yet immersed at the same time, which is very odd. But other parts of the world, like parts of the 1040 window and things like that, they don't even have access. That there is no access. I mean, there's, there's, among a million people, there might be one Christian, one. Yeah, and they don't have the internet. I mean, they don't. Have they don't they, yeah, I mean, no yeah. Bibles. It's like no, they don't. They don't even have a, a a resource of if they were interested in understanding who their maker was, they would have no way of finding out. Here we we have a choice, you know. So yeah, you're right. It's it's different. It's definitely different. But there's still. The gravity of the need is still the same, you know. Yeah. I don't yeah, want to. Yeah. I don't want to say that like you know, one thing is better than the other. It's not, you know, it's not. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah, it's weird to even like. I feel like even in, especially even in being in Cleveland too. Like you see the need. I think it's exactly what yeah. you said. The the revelation. Like even in all the churches, it's like you need that revelation. Like yeah. he's not. What what did you just say? Like you can't treat him like common. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like he's not. Jesus Christ is not common. Cause, I mean, because like every he, other world religion treats him as such. You know, the the view of Jesus from Islam is that he was a moral teacher, maybe you know, prophetic in a certain sense, a, a prophet, a holy, um, but not God, at all. You know, he was in the same class as Moses. In terms of like being a mouthpiece of the revelation of God, but held no merit in forgiving sin. Nothing. You know, in uh, Hinduism, you know, he, Jesus is a God among 330 million others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Buddhism, it, it, it's like, uh, you know, they're, they are a-religious. They, they're not even really, God is not even a part of their, for instance, okay, the Chinese culture don't even have a word for God. They don't even have a word for a, a creator being. They don't have a word. Like to give you a concept for the culture of the religion that says that, um, you know, there's no place for God. We ourself really create our reality. Um, there, there's a, so th- they treat when we, when you bring those things up, commonplace, you know? Yeah. So what is, I guess, okay. So thinking that way, what is, what is he here then? Like, cause then. That makes me think about, like, is, is he just stale bread? Like, he says, I'm the bread of life. Is he just thinking? Because to me, I think about here in the United States, there is so much access. So we would rather choose, like, TV or something else over his word or over him. or And so it's just like, like, it reminds me of an Exodus when they said, or somewhere where they said, our soul loathes this worthless bread. Like, that's kind of been my thought. Like, I'd rather spend my time with other things. Is that what it is here? That's maybe because there's so much access to that. Maybe. I, I think the way I'm thinking about it is like, I think we would treat Jesus differently if we knew his worth, if we understood his value, but not just him, if we understood our brokenness. Yeah. If we understood our depravity, because the thing is, we take grace as cheap. And, and the way C.S. Lewis said it, I think is C.S. Lewis, he said, um, you know, we, or no, Bonhoeffer said it this mm-hmm. way. Uh, he, he said that 
you know, we we have taken grace as forgiving sin and not forgiving the sinner. Like redeeming sin, but not redeeming sinfulness. And, and it's a difference of looking at God and saying, okay, here's my golden ticket to paradise. And then seeing that, oh, what you did for me actually is because I'm intrinsically horrible inside and the, the, the depravity of sin, I said, I'm going to worship myself Damn. rather than you. And so it's a, it's a, it's a way of seeing that like um, you're worthy because not because I say you are, but because um, you know, I, 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 I caused the greatest offense towards you by, by saying, I don't, I don't need you in my life at all. I don't, that's, that was the fall, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's an idea that like, I think God isn't just this like golden ticket giver to be like, yeah, your sins are forgiven. Goes and doesn't change anything. But the real change happens and the worthiness is given when we realize that what Jesus accomplished for us wasn't just for our actions to be changed, but our, inter- our, our entire existence. Our, our what's the word? Um, our, our uh, what's identity. the our, yeah identity our eternity you know our, our our being you know it's not just an action saving it's it's a a person yeah like, you know it's our, our self yeah i really like that he doesn't just forgive sin he forgives the sinner yeah yeah it's it's in romans uh i mean chapters one through eight out of love but paul talks about um, number one, knowing, then reckoning, presenting yourself to God, and then walking. Mm-hmm. And in Ephesians, it talks about sit, walk, stand, these concepts. Mm-hmm. And you talked about revelation first. That's the first thing you mentioned. We need a revelation. But I, I, I like the way you presented it. I think it also even goes deeper of what they have a revelation of. So we have yeah. a revelation yeah, of yeah, Jesus yeah. as the Lamb, the Messiah. Yeah. But we leave out the high priest, the bridegroom, yeah. the coming judge. I actually went through on my phone not too long. I was probably, it might have been over a little over a year ago now, but I went through and I was trying to lay all those out because I wanted, yeah. yeah, like the, you know, he's, yeah, he's the judge, he's the bridegroom, he's, he's all these different things and you have to know him and all of them. He's the father, the son. But we, yeah. we sell the gospel short because it doesn't stop. Yeah, uh, at water baptism, or we wouldn't have needed Jesus. So it didn't die. It didn't stop with yeah. the repentance of sin because water covered that. Yeah, even before Jesus died, it didn't stop there. It goes on to the blood, which covers the penalty. The body, which is like the sanctification. It's it's a process. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we yeah. don't have maybe we don't have revelation of it, or we're okay it's, with. I think it's what you said to me the other night because I met I met Brandon. Um, uh, what when was that? Wednesday, Wednesday night, yeah, and you said, like, remembering where you came from, mm-hmm. and it's like, I don't, it's like, people would be like, you, you were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace, so you're not a sinner anymore, and so they just want to forget, it's like, you forget where he brought you out of, and I love that part in Job, where God is talking to Job, and he says about Job's little, you know, fight with Leviathan, basically, as kind of big beast of pride, basically. And he says to Job, he says, lay your hand on him, remember the battle, never do it again. And so it's just like, remember it. Like, remember where he's brought you out. Remember, like, your struggle with pride and your own exalting yourself. And like you said, wanting to... Pride. Where you get into the place of worshiping yourself and you're you're your own God. And 
you can't beat that. You can't conquer it without God's help. Yeah. Yeah. I, so pride. I, I, yeah, I think, yeah, asking for humility. You know, what does Jesus say in Matthew, you know, in, the, in, in this uh, Sermon on the Mount, or the Beatitudes, I should say, you know, uh, the pure in heart will see God. Um, they'll be called, the peacemakers will be called sons of God. Mm-hmm. The poor in spirit. The poor in spirit will inherit the earth. Yeah, that's kind of what you're talking about, too, the, the being poor in spirit, like seeing my need for him. Yeah, my, yeah. My hunger, yeah, how poor I actually am. And I love that in Job also, as I'm going to reference he says, you know, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Mm. And I just love, that's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Like, yeah. when we get that revelation of God, that revelation of Jesus, it's like, man, I loathe myself. Like, how unworthy I actually am. And then, but like you said, I do have to find, like, your identity in him. It's all in him. Mm. It's always in him. But so you can't, like, stay there. Like, he lifts you out of that mindset mm-hmm. of being, of loathing yourself. But it's like you have to actually remember that. Remember what you are without him. And it's, yeah, yeah I don't know. I think that's, I think maybe that's some of it. I don't, I don't know why it's, there's, like, this different, that, that the struggle over here is weird. It just seems this, seems to be this, like, spirit or principality of just complacency or like that maybe and maybe results from all that you having where we are gifted with too much almost in a sense to where we have all these options to consume whatever we want and it's very rarely jesus that we're consuming it's just anything else i don't know maybe like the prosperity gospel or just like it may, be not, it may not be explicitly preached, maybe it is, but this low view of God that he only came for my salvation, like that's where it ends. Yeah. You know, like the whole reason that God sent his son into this world was just for me. Now that, that is true. I mean, like he, he did and that that's, but it doesn't end there. Yeah. And so like, I think the picture that I'm that I see is like yeah we have this like insulated this padding of like not allowing ourselves like I said before to experience what Job experienced in like reckoning with ourselves because we are so blessed materially like you know blessing is like such a relative term but like it maybe is more of a curse honestly that that the church is so um, provisionally blessed that like we have lost sight of the one who gave that all to us and and the reason for that blessing you know it's like we we th- that's what I'm saying is like we need a higher view of God we need a revelation of who he is so that we see that like this all didn't just end with me and for like, you know, what is this unto? What is all of this unto? Is it unto myself? Is it unto, you know, the, the revelation of Jesus? Did he die on the cross just so I can live the American dream? That's not promised. We are all called. We're all called to carry the cross, to pick up the cross and follow. Yeah. And... W- that is explicit. I mean, that's like 
Well, that's what love is. Love yeah. is self-sacrifice. So that's exactly... If you're called to love, you're called to that. You're called to picking up your cross and carrying it for him. Yeah, we, like, we don't have an, it's an enti- entitlement. It's yeah. like we are not entitled to living this padded American dream kind of life as Christians. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's not sinful to be blessed with finances. It's not. It's not at all. Yeah. But, like... That's not our right, you know, as Christians, like we, it's like, God, now that I'm saved, you know, I've been saved. Now I can kind of do my own thing and I'll see you in yeah. 40 years. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about it sometimes. No, same here. I mean, one thing that helps me put it in perspective is just remembering the fact that he didn't even have to make me. So it's like, like you know, the very breath that I draw, like I'm not even entitled to that. Like nothing, he didn't even have to create me. Mm-hmm. Like just to be thankful that he took time to think out my being. It's like, that's just such a revelation. I mean, that's so humbling in itself to just think that like, yeah. I could actually not exist. Just, you know. And knowing when he created you, before he created you, knowing your redemption would be necessary, Jesus said yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful, yeah. Said yes to his creation before he created it, knowing they would need redemption. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Is I mean, just even thinking about all that stuff and everything is so incredibly like profound. Sometimes it throws my mind through yeah. those because it's just I don't know. And yeah, the the level of his mercy is and his love is just unending. And it. Here's a weird thing, too. I never actually thought of this before. I was talking to my, my friend Quince the other day, and I had mentioned something about, you know, well, how it says, just kind of in the context of, of sin and mercy and everything, and how Jesus came to save sinners. Like, he didn't came, if you're self-righteous, you know, he didn't came, he doesn't call the righteous, he calls sinners. So it's like, you have to have this, you know, he calls us sinners, but then it's like, could you really know mercy without sin? And then Quince brought up the fact, like, you know, and this is going to probably, this might sound a little bad, like, but, um, you know, like, the, like, the fact that we're all, we've all sinned, like, it's like, the more sin that has happened, the more his mercy had to grow. So it's like God in himself, being love, is continually expanding. Like, God, as we, as we exist as human beings, God is still growing more and more. Is that just a weird... Like, I'd never actually thought of that before. Like, he's continually increasing beyond, like... It, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. there's never any end to him. And just that thought of, like, God's actually growing himself. He's continually increasing. There's no end to him. Like, I've always known that. But then just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a interesting thought to me that I'd never actually considered before. But... I, I took a lot of that. I never, until just recently... You know, when, like in Romans, he says, like, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I've, I've always just kind of just read that. Okay, all have sinned, you know, fallen short of God's glory. What does that really mean? I've never really thought about it. But I see now that, like, all have sinned, like, our intrinsic state, like, the human condition is sinful. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no one that's righteous. Like he said that. No, not one. Yeah. No one is righteous. Not like that we've not done righteous things, 
or we've done good things or that we have sinned in acts, you know, like I've, you know, I've, I've done good things. I've done bad things. Yes. But intrinsically all have sinned. Like it's the identity issue. Mm -hmm. It's not an action issue. It's an identity issue and fallen short of all that God intended for us, his glory. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the thing is the point of the redemption and the point of salvation is unto the glory of God. And that is the, that, I mean, that like, that, when I felt that this last year, when I, not just felt it, but when I was, I was in a teaching and we were learning about the glory of God through Acts. We, we were in this, this teaching on the glory of God. And the first verse that we looked at was Habakkuk 2.14, which is this prophetic, um, a statement that God gives a vision to the prophet and he says the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the face of the earth as the waters cover the sea mm -hmm. and so like that is God's heart when we look at okay the book of Revelation you know the immediate presence of Jesus sitting in his sitting in his glory and worshiping him you know with no in-between any longer not in a sinful state or a broken existence, but in perfect union and harmony with him. So that's God's heart. You know, that's what he's calling us unto now. Not to like wait until heaven, but to participate with him in the redemption that will free us. It will literally free us. It will take us from darkness to light, the bondage of slavery into sonship. You know, like there's, there's huge implications for what Jesus did. But... If we reverse engineer that, okay, God wants the glory of himself. He's so jealously assured of his own righteousness and his beauty that he has no problem being, uh, no problem saying and telling people that the end of their lives is for their own glory. But how do we get there? How, like, how does that happen? We're not there yet. Like God's glory hasn't covered the earth yet. It hasn't covered a neighborhood on the earth yet hasn't covered maybe even a church on the earth yet fully. You know, there's not one, like our, our teacher was saying, there's not one neighborhood on earth where the name of Jesus is the only name exalted. Mm -hmm. Yet that is the end of all things. And the end of, the end of uh, man, you know, the heart of man is unto the glory of God. So how do we get there though? You know, and it starts with humility, I think. You know, it starts with, with uh, <laughs> when we met Wednesday, he said God's actually been showing me a lot about humility lately. And mm. I'm like, yeah. As I told him, I feel like everything in life boils down to pride and humility. Those mm. two things. Like you look at any sin, take it to the root. See, from what I can see, it's always pride. Mm. Always. Like it. Even I don't. I mean, then the other thing, like you, you even said that, like it's like you need hum You even need humility to have love. And, yeah, so that's sorry you were saying. Yeah, the start of it is yeah. I, I think the start the, of it, but then you know, yes. God. There's an, you know, contrary to like popular belief that we create our own existence and reality is just an unfolding of random events. I believe that the the scope of scripture tells us that there is an overarching story from the very beginning that God's redemption is for a purpose that we are being called into. Mm -hmm. 
And so this glory that God desires will cover the face of the earth. So why is it not covering the face of the earth right now? Why is it not? Jesus came and called us to be a part of what it looks like to cover the face of the earth with the gospel, with the cover the face of the earth, with the glory of God, the good news. And he said, go into all of the world and preach this gospel, preach this good news and baptize them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you until the ends of the earth. So what Jesus is calling us to do is to participate with him in his heart to see glory come to every part of this world. And there will be a day when that does happen. The, he said it. All nations will hear this message and then the end will come. So, so the end will come when all nations hear the message of the glory of the Lord. Yet, 97% of unreached people groups live in this 3.09 billion people live in this little region called the 1040 window yet okay so 97 percent of all unreached people group on earth live in this part of the world yet three percent of all missionaries go there mm -hmm. so that's why i'm saying it's not an access problem for us mm -hmm. as christians it's a revelation problem mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why are we not going there's no one standing in line for Saudi Arabia. There's no one standing in line for Yemen. There's no one standing in line for the hostile parts of India, Nepal, uh, China, the inland parts of Mongolia. There's no one standing in line for Armenia. What, what's, what's going on? Why are we, what, what's caused this? And I think it's literally because we have a very low view of all that Jesus has accomplished for us. And we're very content with saying, my sins are forgiven and I have a golden ticket to heaven. I think some of it too is, um, I think the churches are, I don't know, I don't want to cover the whole church in this thing. So yeah. I probably shouldn't say that, but I think uh, maybe a majority of the Western church, majority, not all of it, is there's this fear of martyrdom and persecution. Hmm. I seem to run into that a lot. And nobody... Like, I mean, I guess when you think about it logically, nobody really wants to lay it all down. I mean, that's a hard thing to do. Like, Jesus calls you. I like that quote where he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids thee come and die. I can't remember who said that. Bonhoeffer. Yeah, it's so good. But it's like that, if you were to, if you were to think about those countries, if we were to really think about that, it's like, are you willing to go and die there? And it's like, are you willing to go and possibly never come back? Like, are you willing yeah. to go and then... I don't know that people really think that way. And I think if we would would look at that, if, you, if, people, if the church could look at martyrdom as a gift from God, mm -hmm. and it's like one of the most blessed gifts you, he could give you. Yeah. Like I would love to be counted worthy of something like that. Not that I seek that out or anything, but it's like, man, what an honor that would be. Like to That's how they, in the book of Acts, they like rejoice when they were persecuted for the cross of Christ and everything. And so it's like, we don't necessarily have that mindset. I think if we were to have that, maybe, maybe we would go. Because I think in that situation, yeah. when you're going to those places or going to dangerous places, you have to carry that mindset. Because it's just, if you don't, yeah. you're going to be afraid. Why are you there? Then, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. It, it all comes back. I mean, it's all fun and games while you talk about it here. But when you're actually in a war zone, you know, if you're not grappling with the fact of why I'm here, you know, yeah. like you need to. And, and you have to. I, I think that's yeah. what I'm saying is like the insulation 
of being in this nation and very moderately being persecuted at all, you know, we don't have to, we don't have the pressure of having to grapple with the questions of the worthiness of Jesus as much as a church in northern Iraq, you know, or places like that. And thank you, Jesus, that we are not in a war zone, or that we're not, you know, that there is not death and destruction all around us. But in a certain sense, there still is. It just looks different. It's not a physical war, but it's a spiritual depravity that keeps men from hope. Even in the church, even within the walls yeah. of the church, we are content with like this self-seeking spirituality. Um, and I wanted to say something really quick along those lines. There's a, about like what causes men to go and do this. What causes, what would compel someone to think it wise to even go to do this, you know, to put themselves in a place of doing this. Um, and it brings me back to the story of uh, the Moravians. If you've ever heard the story of the, the Moravian church, which was in Europe um, in the 1600s, 1700s. There, John Wesley actually was on a ship with some Moravians when he came to the United States to evangelize, and it changed his entire life by hearing them worship. But the Moravians were so, so uh, sobered by the gospel and, and seeing what Jesus did that they actually sold themselves into slavery so that they could go to parts of the world that they could only go to as a slave. They actually sold themselves as slaves so that they could preach the gospel to the tribes in Africa and the tribes in the Southeast Asian regions. What on earth? Like, yeah. what on earth? You know? Yeah, yeah. I think and I think it's that, like I said last time I talked to you, too, that, that verse in Isaiah reminds me of that. All flesh is grass. Hmm. And, like, a man's loveliness is the flower of the field. And it's like, if you can really, if God can really work that in your heart and really, really get that in you, that this life is so fleeting, so short, like, like worst case scenario, and you do die on a mission trip, well, you go home. It's like, if you have that mindset, this life is short. It's a breath. It's a gift. It's going by so quick. I'm here to do my job and go home. Like, Let's, let's stay focused. And then it's like, you can do something like that because you're like, this is what my, this is what my life is spent for here because I have eternity. So it's like, this is just, a, you, this is a, a quick moment in time. And you know that, but yeah. they don't. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. They lose 10 out of 10. There are children in India that will never hear the name of Jesus in their entire lifetime. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is we have been entrusted with the gift of God's grace and mercy to all people. And what are we doing with it? You know, it's like we win no matter what. If yeah. we die, yeah. if, we, if we waste all of our money, to die is gain. To, we get Christ. Yeah. But when they die, they lose every yeah. time. Yeah. They lose. And that's that. The Moravians said um, when they would see themselves off, when they would set sail on a ship and they would leave to go in groups of two or whatever, their motto, the Moravian, the, the, the motto of the Moravians was, may the lamb receive the reward of his sufferings. 
That's good. That's good. May the Lamb of God receive the reward that he is due. And his reward, Jesus is in his, his inheritance, is his bride. His inheritance are the nations. He said that. He said, I will make my inheritance the nations, and I will make all evil and wickedness my footstool. So, like, that's, that's the, and I love that. I love that idea. May the Lamb of God receive the reward of his suffering. His suffering was not for nothing. He didn't die for nothing. He didn't just say what he said for nothing. Yeah. You know? It's all for a huge purpose. It's a huge story that we're being called back into, and I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful thing. It's cool. I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what happens to those who don't hear? Well, um, hell, that's <laughs> like the the. I mean, that's just a straight answer, uh, and the explanation for that is not. Uh, it's not as evil as like a lot of people would want to make God sound with like, why would you send people, you know, how could God be all loving and send people to hell? God is not just simply all loving because if he was just simply love and nothing else, there would be no justice. There'd be no righteousness. There'd be no purity. So we can't just have a God that is perfect in all of his ways and yet simply love. He is completely love, but he is also completely just and completely righteous and completely pure and completely holy. Yeah. And so what, what's the situation then? For the people that have never heard, they stand in judgment of God. But why do they stand in judgment of God? You know, they are unaware. They don't know. They, they, they maybe have never heard of the truth. Well, the truth is that all humanity has been, they, what, how does it say it? The laws of God have been written on the hearts of men. Mm-hmm. And so we have an understanding at a baseline value of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's not just cultural. It's not just around your, you know, your nature versus nurture. It's not that. It's intrinsically in the soul of man to know like, your conscience. Um, so the thing is, when Adam sinned, um, all of humanity was cursed. And, and with that curse came what, like when you think of it in the, in the terms of Jesus in the garden, he bowed and said, thy will be done. But when we sinned against God, it was as if God was saying, okay, your will be done. It wasn't his desire that any man would perish. It was not his desire that sin would enter the world, but he gave us that this existence was the only place that love could exist. The, the, the place of free will, the place of volition. Um, God didn't create robots. He created creations that were in his image. And so the state of things now is that um, because we live in a fallen state, we lived unredeemed. Jesus came to redeem us back, to be in unity with, with God in the fullness of that and to, to join with him in holiness. So it's not either, it's not just the fact that people have the knowledge of God and they should just repent. Paul said, how will they know unless one is sent? Mm-hmm. How, and, and how can they go unless they're sent? So what he's saying is 
it's part of our responsibility. God has actually given us a, a responsibility and he called it an ambassadorship, being ambassadors to say, hey, listen, all of this is because there's a God. There's, there's one God. His name is Yahweh and he has a son whose name is Jesus and he died for your sins. So we're actually playing a part in bringing the redemption of God to the nations. So all that to say, though, without Jesus, without the redemption of God, we stand in his judgment because we chose that. Adam was the representative of humanity in saying, I'm choosing my own glory. And because of that, God said, I'm giving you over to your desires. And because of that, we stand in judgment of him. And on that day, the day of the Lord, which he calls the great and terrible, great because all injustice will be brought to justice, all unrighteousness will be finally sealed, and he will deal with all unrighteousness. But it will be terrible because people will realize that that wasn't just an outside force acting upon them, but it will be intrinsically, I was the responsibility for all of this. My sin is not just some outside force acting upon me. It's actually in me. Mm-hmm. And God will have to deal with sin. And there will be, a, it's terrible. It will be terrible. There will be mourning. There will be people realizing their sin when every knee will bow. Some will cry in joy and some will cry in absolute terror because they've finally realized, seeing the glory of God, that they are responsible for their own lives. So I probably didn't answer that as best as I could. I'm not like the best at this, but I I think just the short answer is they stand in judgment. Not just they, but we, all of us, without without Jesus staying in judgment of, of, of being unrighteous in his sight. Yeah, in Revelation it talks about, um, and that's what I mean, I, like, like you said, I don't know how to explain all of it or anything, but I know it says at the end of Revelation, then the dead will give up. Where is it right here? Um, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast in a lake of fire. This is the second death. And no one found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. So it doesn't sound good, <laughs> that's for sure. But like you said, I like that. What's always helped me with that that picture, too, of, you know, you said it's God who's, who's love, right? And then, but there's judgment. God, the God, he's also the judge. So, like, I always, like, if I picture it as a tree, like, you have the, the tree or the the roots or the trunk, whichever way you want to look at it, the, the main part of the tree, I guess the trunk, probably for the picture, it would be love, basically. Mm-hmm. Then you have all these branches that come off. You have mercy, mm-hmm. forgiveness, you have judgment. And judgment's in there because if you don't, um, if you don't correct a wrong, like, and the God who inhabits eternity. Like, just that thought of, like, sin uncorrected for eternity is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So it's like judgment is love. It is. And it comes out of love. And that's what a lot of people, I think it's hard for them to see that. Yeah. That judgment is love. The Sodom and Gomorrah, that was love. Whether people like to see it or not, that was love. I can't even remember where I was reading because I've been hopping around different places. Mm -hmm. But it... 
literally somewhere I was reading in, in scripture, basically it, it just straight up said that they're, they're set up as a sign, basically. They're a sign for humanity to not... Like, yeah. if he wouldn't have done that to them, then possibly, uh, I mean, like, we would have become like Sodom. We would yeah. have become like Gomorrah because we wouldn't know. Like, his judgment is, cor- his correction is, like, something to be most desired. Yeah. Like, to just, to want his judgment because it, it is love. It all result like, it all comes from that and stems from that. And so, that has, I mean, that's, and that's, that's the promise, the covenant that God made with Abraham was, you know, I will make you the father of a multitude, you know, as much as the stars are in the sky, like, so will be the nation that I, like, this through the seed that I make through you. So, like, it's not a new concept that we are heralds to the nations. We're, it's not a new yeah. concept. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's an Old Testament principle that God said, like, in this covenant I'm making with you, I will, I'm choosing you as the oracle of truth. I'm choosing you as the ones that I'm giving my law and the things that are intrinsically upon my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to do that through you. That's love. That is so much love. And so the conquest of, you know, going through the, <laughs> the desert after Egypt and, and Canaan and all those different things are like, there's so much in there that's like, how is this love? Like, how does this all make sense? You know, like, yeah, but it is. It, it just is. Um, and, and we think about now, you know, where God has brought us and, and to go back to that picture of ambassadors, being ambassadors for Jesus, being ambassadors for God is, um, you know, what is it, what's an ambassador do? Why, why did he say that we were ambassadors? I think it's 2 Corinthians 5. Um, so what does an ambassador do? So an ambassador was like in that day, they would have gone before, a, you know, they would have gone into a foreign land, a foreign kingdom, and they would have announced, hey, the king is coming from my land. He's coming, and this is what he's like. And an ambassador makes amends, or at least attempts to make an amends with a foreign, uh, with a, you know, with a foreign culture that declares who God is, but he will come. So it's, that's what we're participating in. It's not this judgment and damnation. That's, that's not it either. But the love of God, is, that's what we're in right now. The day the Lord hasn't come yet. Why? It's because he desires that all men would go and fall in repentance. He, he yes. desires all men in humility to see them. And, and he's the power that brings that. The power of God into salvation. It's through Jesus and so that's what we're participating in. We're not participating in another conquest. We're not participating in a crusade with swords and weapons. We don't wage weapons of physical warfare, but spiritually we, we tear down strongholds. And so how do we do that? We go to those who have never heard and we bring them not just a truth, like, oh, this is a way that you can live right, but the truth that's what changes things is it's not just a truth or a way of living but it's actually the truth it's consistent with all of reality this is what it's about this is where we all fit in this thing this is how you can explain reality that like what i feel inside how can i put words to this it's because of this nature that's intrinsic to us so what we're doing when we're going and proclaiming the gospel is not just 
you know, gloom and doom, it's, it's hope. Yeah. It's hope. Oh, yeah. You know, so I don't know. It's, it's a big, it's a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have another question? No. Oh. All right, so, I have a question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. You got any questions? You? 15 minutes. Okay. Um, I think my last question, I mean, it's a couple, you kind of addressed it some, it's this co-laboring concept, yeah. co-labor with Christ, um, but what would you say, there's a lot of people, and this is not just spreading the gospel, but also signs and wonders, the healings, the mm. manifestations, the, um, the other part of the gospel, <laughs> We haven't really talked too much about, but Mm -hmm. those things are integral too to the gospel because it's a demonstration. You know, Paul says, I come in demonstration in the power of the Spirit. Yeah. Um, But there are many who would say, just take healing for an example, that, well, if God wants someone healed, he'll just heal them. But there's also a bit of that co laboring that's involved that if we don't get involved and declare and take authority that we've been given, Mm -hmm. and that goes right into the spread of the gospel as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not up to us, ultimately, the us moving in a direction of faith towards God. The, the result of that is not in our hands. But it's stepping on the truth of this is the heart of God. And, you know, whether that healing happens or it doesn't, I'm going to pray, you know, I'm, I'm just going to pray and be faithful because it's consistent with his character. And... I mean, the, the, the simplest way to say it is like, we'll pray till we die, you know? We'll pray until it changes. And if not, then that's, that's okay. It's not in our hands to decide how God chooses or what he does and how this all works out. But the signs and the wonders, they're all unto the glory of God. They're all unto the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so just like that picture of being... Uh, being an ambassador, you know, it's a declaration, like a, a literal representation of this is what the kingdom is like. This is who, this is what we're talking about. When we pray for the sick, they're healed. When we pray for the dead to be raised, they're raised. Like, why? Why are they raised? Like, wow, that was crazy. Goes on with life. No, it's all for the glory of God. It's all for the truth that this isn't just like some you know, a pony show or whatever that, that saying is, you know, it's like, you know, uh, that it's, it's just not just for like, signs and wonders aren't just for like enjoyment. Mm-hmm. They're not just for like, you know, feeling good, getting like, you know, ooh, you know, whatever, filled with the Holy Ghost and, and Holy Rolling and all that stuff. Not discrediting that, not like at all, but in the context of like evangelism, signs and wonders are to point to Jesus. There's a point to the gospel, to the truth. So, like... For his glory. For his says. glory. And and ultimately, it's not up to us and how that all works out. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if that healing doesn't happen. Did God change? No. You know, um, if it doesn't happen immediately, did he change? You know? And so that's like... That's where people kind of fall, I think, is like, you know, well, then how do you explain this? How do you explain when healing doesn't happen? Well, who's to say that it didn't? But we just don't understand, you know, in our, in our like, 
way of understanding healing. Um, it may have not been on our timetable or, or things like that, but it doesn't mean that like God is not. I've had you know, the yeah. I've I actually was thinking that that same thing too. I the thought came to my mind like God has this this funny way of answering all your prayers to just never like how you think they're gonna be answered. But I think maybe the ones you don't see answered are the ones you don't go to Him in, in humility, and because that's one of the hardest things to to humble is your own understanding, mm-hmm. and so it's like. I found that like there's been some really hard prayers that I've prayed, prayed, but it's like then I look back, and I'm like, whoa, he did answer that, just not in any way I would have expected yeah. at all. Yeah. So yeah, but he, I don't know. There was something else I was gonna say too on just what you said the about healing and everything. I don't even remember now, but just I don't know. Like you said, I like that though that it's all for his glory and everything. It's all for the glory of God and to direct everything's for Jesus. It all comes back to him. It's all in yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, a sign and a wonder. You know, it's like, literally break those words down. It's a sign. A sign does what? Points you in a direction. Yeah. You know, yeah. a wonder. What does it do? It makes you <laughs> grapple with what just happened and why. Yeah, I think here's, here's what I was going to say too. Is like, I think maybe if our eyes were open more and we really reverence, like all things are from him, right? All things are from him, through him and for him and yeah. of him. And so it's like, yeah, I, I, I remember thinking this a, a few years ago, and I probably should think about it more is that every time my parents have ever prayed for me, I've always been healed. Hmm. Always. Because I'm not dead yet. <laughs> like it's, it's that, I mean like hmm. if I didn't get healed, I'd, would have got more sick and died like obviously i'm in good health and it's like so maybe it wasn't instant or anything but it's like taking that perspective and being like thank you lord like i'm you did work that out maybe it wasn't instant maybe it wasn't this or that maybe it wasn't the way i thought but like i i am here now like you i'm actually to be grateful for those things and like i I love in the scriptures too where like I, i think it's in the gospel of john where you know, it says where uh, God spoke to Jesus and he says, this is my beloved son, hear him. And then it says, mm-hmm. some people said, some people heard God, some people thought it was an angel and other people said it thundered. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, now every time I hear about, like I hear thunder outside, I'm always just thinking of the Lord's voice. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just this beautiful, mm-hmm. even though I can't discern what it's like saying or get words out of it, it's just like, it's all the glory of God. Like the heavens, every his whole creation declares his glory. And so every time there's thunder, it's like, whoa, that's the voice of God. Like he mm. created thunder. Not that he's the god of thunder, like mm. Thor or Zeus or whatever. But like, you know what I mean? He cre- It all came from him. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know, just that, that reverence and that appreciation and that thankfulness yeah. for all things. Like you said, you pray for someone to get healed and then you go about, they go about their day as their way. You know, the lepers on their way, they were healed. And only one came back. Because it's like, I, how often does that happen? You pray for someone and then they probably go on and they think, oh, I just got better. Like a few weeks later. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. oh, you could have got worse. But no, you're, you're healed now. I don't know. Yeah. So they, there was one time I actually prayed for a guy's eye. <laughs> and this was, um, and so like, he, and then I, I prayed for him and then it was like, a week or two later and I saw him again and I just look over and like his eye looked so red and I was just like 
I don't even, that's one of those things like you don't even want to ask about it at all. You're just like, oh no, this got worse. But then I was like, I was like, well, I just have to pray again. So I asked him about it and he was like, he was like, no, actually this one, like, I think like something had happened with the other one, but the one I actually prayed for, he said he actually went back to the doctor and it was actually better than his other eye. Like, I think someone had scratched it and it ended up like healing up better than it was or something like that. Mm. And I was like, but I think it was kind of gradual too, to where it wasn't just like, yeah. I don't know. But I remember looking at it, I was, so, I was so scared to ask. I'm like, man, <laughs> that sucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that a lot too. I've seen, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean like some of those questions, it's like, it's hard. Yeah, it's it hard to like, it's just hard to grapple with, honestly. Like, I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around like, how does this all work? But like, I think baseline, God is still good, mm-hmm. you know? Like, even if the answer doesn't come in a way that like we would des- like we would desire it to or something like that, like, you know, in loss and in things that just, you know, even I'm just thinking of, you know, families that have like lost children or things like that after praying for like, you know, their healing and things like that. And why does, why do those things happen? Why do those things happen? And it's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to claim any reason why, because that's like, you know, I, I can't say that, but, um, ultimately it did happen, but still sovereign over everything. God is still the great I am. He's still the one on the throne, you know? And so, yeah, it's confusing, but, like, it does force us back to humility again, you know? So it's, I think it's very hard, but I think it is something that like, God wants to meet us in, too, you know? The, the story I'm thinking of specifically is the man that was, like, lowered down through the roof. Mm-hmm. And, or I can't remember if it was through the roof or, anyway, Jesus said, you know, your sins are forgiven, take your bed and walk, take up your bed and walk. And he was healed immediately. Um, and then they started like, you know, the Pharisees were like, how can this man claim to forgive sin? And he said like, well, is it easier for me to say, get up your, take up your bed and walk or your sins are forgiven? But then he said, I said, and I healed him so that you would know that the son of man is the one that can forgive sin. So it's like he brought the healing in that entire crowd of people and confounded a bunch of people about what it meant for their sin to be forgiven because he wanted to show that, yeah, he was the one that brought healing, but ultimately it was because he forgave your sin, mm-hmm. you know? So it's it always Jesus pointing back to like, I did this miracle, but it's unto you seeing that I'm the one that forgives your sin. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't just end with like you feeling like my life's all about me. You know, it's like, you know, God, be my, you know, my eight ball and, and work on my terms, you know, it never is, I don't, I don't think it's how it works, you know, it's always unto the glory of God. My eight ball. <laughs> you know, like, my it's genie. It's always, no. Oh, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I think that kind of, I mean, I had three questions and one was the, um, the collaborative one, the other one. Um, what happens to those who don't hear? And then the third one is, um, which you kind of already answered, is how do you present the gospel? Because 
what's your understanding of the gospel determines how you present it. Mm-hmm. And I think I just wanted to make a point for myself and those people who listen to this that mm-hmm. the gospel is more than just preaching a message of salvation. Yeah. And there's all the, this co-laboring piece. And mm-hmm. There is signs and wonders. Yeah, unto. And there is more than just salvation. There's yeah, yeah. saved from unto. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And and that's that's the glorious hope. Like in the Middle East... Um, the the hope that they have is that there will be one that will right every wrong and he will wipe away every tear. The promise of who Jesus is is the hope of his return. You know, and and so like, the, what is the gospel? It is that. It is that there is hope now that I have been redeemed, not just in my actions, but intrinsically in my character and in my, my ever, my being has been redeemed. And now I walk with the living God, not just some idea, but when I pray, there's, there's an intercessor standing before God on my behalf that hears me and there's no longer any separation. The veil has been torn, but not just that. There will be a day when thank goodness that God is righteous and that we live with a God that stands for justice, bringing justice to the injustice. And there will be Syrian refugees on the day of the Lord that believe in his name and he will wipe, physically wipe away their tears of warfare that tore their family apart and children that have no capacity to even understand what warfare has done to them. He will right those wrongs. You talk to anyone in the world that's over there that's in a persecuted place, the hope is the return of Jesus. The hope is his call. The hope, you know, the, the, the return of Jesus is, is the hope that they have. Yeah. Um, their hope is not even in, they're, they're okay if they don't get healed. Yeah, yeah. They're okay if it doesn't come immediately because their hope is in even the greater healing. The hope's in the greater thing. Mm-hmm. The blessed assurance. Yeah, that Jesus is there. You know, like it's 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 so much greater than the, think of the Chinese persecuted church or the Syrians or the Afghans or there's a church in Iran right now that's you know climaxing three million believers completely underground, you know, led almost entirely by women. And and what is their hope set in? It's not set in seeing themselves healed. They've already been healed. Everything else is just a benefit. I mean, I think that's why Paul said, like, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of just knowing him. Yeah. He was, I mean, yeah. he could, he endured everything and he talked about it. Hardships, poisoning, snake bites, shipwrecks, fires, being stoned to death at least twice. Like, and when he says stoned, like, historically, when they say stoned, they mean that they put boulders on him, like, they... He probably physically died at least twice being stoned. And, and the picture there is, I mean, this, it's not biblical or not necessarily in the record, but the apostles probably gathered around the body of Paul and raised him from the dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that somebody you know, say one time, you know, when like, he says, I was caught up into the third heaven, that that could have been at that time. And I'm we, like, well, that sounds pretty sweet. Let's all go get stoned somewhere so we can go have a visit to heaven. You can raise me up in a second. You no, know? like... <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's like I consider. I'd like it. to go see Jesus for a few minutes. You guys can do it. <laughs> I, I trust you guys. 
<laughs> I'll let you stone me. Yeah. <laughs> so you can yeah. let Jesus glory in your yeah. There we go. But that's what he's saying. He's like, I, I consider it all a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. Yeah. And I consider rubbish, mm-hmm. trash, burning, refuse. I consider my life that compared to just knowing Jesus, and that's enough. Yeah. And I, that, that's it. It's, it's all just, <laughs> it's all just about that. Is it Chef? Yeah, yeah I know. It's like, it's, it's it, okay. Oh. Just give me some pink. lipstick. No, it's not pink. <laughs> Thank you, Evie. I saw that. It looked like you had, like, some blood there. Yeah, probably. It, like, my lip got real chapped this past week and, like, split open. Oh. Oh, thanks. Thanks. That's not pink. Is that what you're showing me? Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Sorry. I trusted you. I don't really care. It's just us anyway. You guys can stone me, put pink lipstick on me. <laughs> so, yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Thanks, that'll help. That's actually been kind of sore. So that was off topic, but anyway. For everyone that didn't see that, my lips are chapped and they cracked and were bleeding, I think. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> get back on the gospel. Sorry. Yeah. So you're a independent missionary hmm. um, who obviously, when you're on the field or full-time on the field, mm-hmm. um, so do you have supporters? Do you have... Yeah. So I'm, like, independent. I'll clarify that. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to the mission field through an organization called ACTS. Mm-hmm. Um, and ACTS is, it's a mission-sending organization that specific, it's very unique in their calling to fulfill the Great Commission and that they go and they send people to the, and this isn't just cliche, but literally the hardest and darkest parts of this world. Mm-hmm. So um, their, their calling is very unique in that they go to the 1040 window, which, mm-hmm. like we talked about before, is, is where 97% of the world's unreached population and over 6,000 different unique people groups with maybe six or 7,000 different languages all exist within this window. So that's where I'll be going and who I'll be going with. Um, and just a little more context, Acts itself it stands for Antioch Center for Training and Sending. And Antioch is, is where we, we find our basis, which is out of Acts 13, where it says that there were some prophets and teachers with Paul and Barnabas, and the Spirit of the Lord came while they were fasting and worshiping, and they said, pray concerning where I will send Paul. And they fasted and prayed and then sent them, and Paul went on his first missionary journey that we say, uh, to the uttermost parts of the world. And so that's the foundation of, of Acts. Um, check them out, acts.global. Um, the foundation of missions is based upon fasting, worship, prayer, and intercession. And so that's, that's out of Acts 13, that's where we find our foundation. Um, that before we go and we do anything for God, we receive the calling and the commissioning from Him. Um, and that predominantly comes to the place of prayer, fasting and worship. Um, and so we, we like to model our 
our callings and our, our experiences with that on how, how Paul was called and commissioned to go. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be going with Acts, and uh, I'll be deploying here in the next few months, after sometime after April, to somewhere within the 1040 window. Um, I feel, personally, I feel called to uh, the Muslim uh, the Muslim groups within the 1040. So um, I was in Turkey for two months, and that's a Muslim context. We have a base that is um, further south in the Middle East, and I can't say ex- explicitly where, but um, it is predominantly a very conservative, like Sunni um, Muslim nation. And then uh, we're also, I can't say explicitly where, but we're planting a base um, further east in a region that is... Uh, um, a lot more hostile and within a Muslim context. So I, I feel very called to that region of the world. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm raising support and awareness of the Great Commission. And uh, I'm in need of um, people that would say, yes, I want to stand with you and partner with you in what you're doing and join with you, not just being a paycheck, but but joining with you in prayer, intercession, and uh, in fulfilling this Great Commission uh, and, and we believe that um, a huge motto for Acts is prayer will remove every stronghold um, and it will remove every barrier. And so we pray for a wide and effectual gate, as it says in, I think it's Second Thessalonians, for the gospel to run through mm-hmm. um, a wide and effectual door um, uh, so that the gospel would go effectually to these parts of the world. Um, but like Paul also said, um, how can we go unless we're sent? And so that, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm looking for people to come and stand beside me and say, we'll send you. Um, and that takes financial partnership, prayer, and so yeah, it's exciting. But yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I mean, we want to share this, obviously this podcast, maybe on other social media yeah. outlets, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, Everyone has their realm of influence. So, um, I mean, we really believe in what you're doing. Wow. I mean, I listened to that first podcast, and right then I was like, yeah, this this is not... And you made the point on your own. This is not a joke. This isn't some pony show. Um, I get the sense that you are packing your luggage in your casket. Not declaring that over you, but that's the concept. Yeah. yeah my luggage yeah. is going with me in my casket because you yeah, bid yeah. me to come... Maybe literally die, maybe just die to self. I don't know which concept, but yeah. So I think that's really important that um, we support that. Thank you. Yeah, and and I, I guess the last thing I would want to say just about that is that that calling is not just for a unique set of people. Mm-hmm. It's not just for a, a select group of yeah. spiritual superstars. The calling of Jesus, whether it's in the, the workplace, whether it's on the mission field, is a cross of wood. He's called us to crucify. And he said, come and follow me in this death. And that's why missionaries like Hudson Taylor, and Adoniram Judson, and Amy Carmichael, when they left, they never came back. Amy Carmichael left to go to India, and she never came back. 52 years, I think it is, she spent in India, laboring among the Indian Hindis. Uh, Adoniram Judson, 
he had three wives and I think 12 children and saw all of them die on the field and saw little to no fruit for everything that he did. He, he went to Burma in the, the, or the late early 1900s or early 18, or sorry, late 1800s, somewhere in there. He labored there for over 60 years and saw no fruit, hardly any. I mean, he spent his entire life translating uh, and, and putting a written language to what they were saying and, and wrote a dictionary basically for anyone that would follow his life. But he, he saw no, no immediate recourse or no immediate benefit at all. 60 years span, he never saw any fruit for what he did. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Burma today, which is Myanmar, there's a church of over 3 million that accredit their start mm-hmm. to the death of Adoniram Judson being the seed in the soil, which God said, I will cause a hundredfold to come out of. 30, 60, 100fold. When Jesus calls us, he calls us to a cross. He said, take up your cross and follow me. And he said, if you can't, and it's a hard calling. He said, if you cannot say that I hate my mother and father, then you have no glory with me. You're not worthy of me. How could Jesus say that you're not worthy of me if I have to say I hate my own mother and father? What a hard teaching. And so many of, of the followers of Jesus left him when they couldn't figure out what he meant when he said these things. And what he's saying is, the glory that you receive from feeling the acceptance of a family doesn't even compare to the acceptance of an eternal heavenly father that you receive from coming and partnering with me in my suffering. We have no concept of what it means to partner with Jesus in his suffering, not just in his glory as well. To be a vessel, not just holding his glory, but being broken. That's what it means. That's what Paul said. He said, I'm a broken vessel, a clay and earthen vessel that holds the glory of God. But if we can't be crushed, then what participation do we have with Jesus? Because what Jesus has called to is not a simple thing. It's not an easy thing, and it's not a light thing either. What God has called us to through following Jesus and taking up our crosses is our death. He's called us to death. But the thing is, death is not the end. There is hope in Jesus. We don't live without hope. We live with hope. And so that's the thing. When I can go to a Syrian refugee and say there's not just an eternal father that, or uh, there's not just an eternal God called Allah who weighs your deeds out before you, but there's actually a heavenly father that created you and that you're his. There's hope in that. There's hope in saying, I'll go and follow you. I'll go and I'll die. Because what do I have to lose? What do I have to lose? That's really what it comes down to is what do I have to lose? The last thing I'll say is the director of our school of acts. He says it this way. We are all wasting our life on something, but I'm choosing to waste my life on the one thing worthy of wasting it on. We're all wasting our lives. We are all wasting our lives, but what are you wasting it on? That's the question.
It's crazy. And I had that same thing written down in my journal, actually. Hmm. About that you're all spending your life on something. But then, yeah, the... The time, yeah, that time's what you're spending, and you're spending on something. And it's like you're, every, everybody is, everybody in this world. Like, I, that, what you just said is that Jesus calls you to die. Like, I cannot love them more. That, I'm so glad you said that. And that, that is a calling. Like, he calls you, like, what is it, Thomas that said it? Let us go that, let us go with him that we may die with him. Mm-hmm. Like, we all need that. Because every I think everybody in this world, like, wants something to die for. Because you're all dying for something. Because like you said, you're all, you're spending your life on something. You're dying for something, whether you like it or not. Whatever you're spending your life on, you're dying for it. And so it's like, why not spend it on him? (laughs) The only thing who's worth it. The only one who's worth it. Yeah. You know? And, And for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yeah. And to join, and that's, that's what he meant. Just simply that. To join with Jesus in his suffering is not suffering at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you said, compared to everything else. Yeah. I mean, 70 years is nothing in span of eternity. 70, maybe 90. Yeah. 100 years. Mm -hmm. What is that to live for yourself? And, and, what I love what you just said. What a blessed thing that he calls us to die. Yeah. That there's actually an end to this tension inside of me yeah. found in Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's an end to it finally. Yeah. And but he's saying, come. Yeah, and if you watch, and I mean, I'm not sure it says that everywhere, but I, I love and I know it's in Second Corinthians. This is when I first noticed it. It's like you said he calls you to die, and it says, uh, um, he says, for you are in our hearts both to die together and to live together. Hmm. And I just remember when I saw that, I was like, naturally my mind would say to live and die, but he says to die and live. Hmm. And so it's like the death comes first, mm-hmm. and you need to get that. Hmm. Like, you, like you said, he crushes you. You have to crush an olive to get the anointing out of it. I mean, you have to go before him in humility and say, like, crucify me, Lord. Yeah. I want to partake of your sufferings. Mm-hmm. I want to know. I mean, you need to know him in that way. And it's like that's when the, it's death and then life. And it's, a, it's such a, it's, it like can sound bad, but it's such, a, it's such a glorious hope. Like it's not bad at all. It's like there's to every, every the ultimate, I mean, ultimately dying, you know, you go on t- into eternity. But even through our life, through little deaths, little dying daily, it's like that's where you see more glory. That's where you see more of him. That's where you get more life. Like that's where life actually comes from. Mm-hmm. Is those little those little dyings to yourself every single day. The more that you can do. Mm-hmm. It's just I love that that concept. That he calls you through death to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so good. Yeah. That's you look at the history of missions. That's you're right. I mean they they would pack their belongings in their casket. Yeah. And that's a good way. I'm glad you said that, too. I think that's a good way to put it, too, because we say take up your cross and follow him. I think it's been so... I mean, we don't see people on crosses anymore. So it's like... To have that thought of, like, yeah, this is... He's calling me my casket, basically, too. Like, I'm... 
I'm taking out my casket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's really good. There's one last verse I want to... Sorry, I keep saying one last thing, one last no, thing. No, keep going. Uh, let me find it really quick. Powerful. I love the um, the spirit on you, too, and the hunger he's put in you and everything he's done in your life. I also had a question, too, Yeah. I wanted to ask. I can let you say this verse first. I'll try to remember what it was. If I forget, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe I should be writing them down. Let me see. My phone is. Does someone have an actual Bible? Yeah. Okay, so Matthew. That's not good looking at one. Uh, I love your Bible, man. Matthew. I started on a new one. I got a. You new started one. on a new. Yeah, I got a little um, a boo a boo on there. So. It's... Oh wow. He's um, holding a gem. Don't go for the gold, Jason. Stick with Jesus. Almond tree. We're gonna start calling you almond tree. You start identifying yourselves with that. Nah. Oh yeah. Okay. So it's it's Matthew. (laughs) Matthew thirteen, forty four, and it's so small, but it's so. It's in the context of a bunch of different parables about the, the kingdom of heaven. He's giving you know, the pearl of great price. He's like. You know, the parable of the leaven and all, all these different things. But this one right here is, uh, it goes with everything that we're saying. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, mm-hmm. which, man, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That, that's it. Sell everything and buy the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the thing is, the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. It, it's a treasure, but it was hidden in a... It, so it's this picture of the kingdom of heaven is a treasure hidden in a field. And this man finds it. And finding it and seeing how glorious it was, hides it again and says, I, I have to have this entire field. I, I, can't, I can't live and be content without doing something about this treasure. And so he says, who, when he had found one pearl, or sorry, uh, which a man found and hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And, and that's, that's the calling. Jesus is that treasure. And he's worth selling everything for. The, the kingdom of heaven is worth dying for. Yeah, It's worth giving up everything for. So... That's that's huge. Yeah, that is good. My question, though, too, I wanted to ask, and this is a little bit off that, yeah. what you just said, because you mentioned um, to get direction on where you guys go. I guess it's kind of a personal question. Mm-hmm. You do that through prayer and fasting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you seen an increase in that, like, in your own life? Like, a more, how, how does that happen? Like, do you just have a more certainty through prayer and fasting that you get, or... Hmm. And have you seen that increase of that kind of, what is that, like a settling in your spirit where you're just like, this is the right Yeah, it's, or? well, yeah, I mean, fasting is just like a way of, of kind of selling everything in a sense, in a certain sense. Fasting is a way of, of humility and, and forsaking, um, 
forsaking things that are not in and of themselves evil or bad, but they're pleasures that can be set aside to seek after the one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so fasting, like it, it kind of makes your heart, I like the one way uh, Lou Engel says it, I think is mm-hmm. fasting makes your heart a seedbed for revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, it prepares the ground, it like tills the soil um, because you're saying no to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're saying no, even to things that, I mean, you could have, it's not a bad thing, but you're saying no, actually, I'm not just saying no because I'm being told to say no, I'm saying no because I'm choosing that this is worth it, that you are worth it, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, another reference, Job, he says, I desire your word more than necessary food. Hmm. Hmm. I I always love that part, like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna set this aside because I'm I'm seeking your word right now. Yeah. I'm seeking you. And so that's like, that's where God, like, puts the desire to say like, yeah, this is actually the greater thing and, and this is good, but like, it's worth it for me to like leave that behind. So in terms of like where I'm going and what I'm doing, I've been doing a lot of praying and I do feel the thing with fasting is like, it's not like, a, um, it's not from a place of like obligation. This is like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, earning God's earning sight, yeah. like that's yeah. never been the thing. It's, it's, I feel God calling me in grace to find him when I leave other things behind. And yeah. that's like, that's what I, that's what fasting is for me. And so I've, I've felt God calling me in grace to leave things behind, to find him in yeah, kind of those, the questioning, the questions that I have. Um, and ultimately it's humility. It comes back to, um, leaving it in his hands, you know, trusting him with, with the details of everything. Yeah. So, but yeah, personally, that's, it's been, um, it's been great. I mean, like, yeah. And I, I, I'm like preaching to myself, but I need that more, you know, like, and I haven't even been the most faithful to when I feel God calling me in grace to, to obey. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, there's so much grace but I don't want to take it lightly, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. S- same here. I mean, I think that's a good point to make that, like, because I, I mean, I've fast on and often too, and it's like that, that, uh, I mess up a lot. And it's like, yeah, it's hard to be, it's definitely hard to be faithful in that. And none of it's, like, enjoyable in a sense. I mean, it is in, in, like, you, you draw closer to him and everything, but. But then I like, it was Louis Engle, like you mentioned also, he's known for fasting anyway. Mm-hmm. I like how he said one time he was supposed to be on a fast and he came home and there were donuts or something. And so he's like, he just started devouring the donuts and ate this like whole box of donuts. And he said like the next day he went somewhere and this lady that he knew came up to him and was like, I had a dream last night that you were supposed to be on a fast, but you were eating a bunch of donuts. And he was like, what? Yeah. It's like, I just knowing that, like that. I don't know. It's like you even, it's weird to even find humility in the failed fast. Like it, it yeah. is all about a place of humility. And when it comes back to that, I failed so many fasts too. Yeah. And then it's always, you just go back to him like, I can't even do this without yeah. you. Like it's just always, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like God, he, like, I forget what Psalm it is, but you know, he's aware of our frame. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's acquainted with our weakness. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like he, Jesus, he sympathizes with us in that. So like, there's grace to say that like, I'm not where I think I should be even, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. I'm, I, I think I need to be in this place of like, spiritually strong, you know, yeah. like ready. I could fast for 40 days on water, you know, and then you get two days in and you're like, ah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, that's exactly the point of fasting. It shows us our weakness. Yeah. In our dependence is food that is given from God. Like when Jesus said, I go back to that verse all the time. Jesus said, like, he just talked to the woman at the well by himself. And he, so Jesus and his disciples go to this, to this well. The disciples go off to buy food. And he preaches the gospel to this woman that is like John 4. You know, it's like massively transformative. It saves her. It, it brings the gospel to this little city. And the, go- the, the disciples kind of like stumble back and they're like, oh, you haven't eaten yet? You know, like, yeah. and Jesus says, I have food to eat that you know nothing of. Yeah. And it's food for my father. You know, and that, that's, that's the thing is like fasting. I've always loved this saying, fasting is feasting. Fasting is feasting on the word, the bread of God. Mm-hmm. Fasting yeah. on the manna from heaven, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's fasting on the provision that God brings through yeah. his word and, and being, even when it is hard and failing, it's at least putting yourself in a place of saying, God, you have to be my dependency. You have to be my strength because physically I'm very hungry. But Lord, you said you would sustain me with every word yeah, yeah. from your mouth. Yeah. Your words are like, honey, they're more precious to me than silver. You know, like, so God, open my eyes to see that reality. Not that I'm making it that, but Lord, it is. And I want to join with you in seeing you, you rightly, mm-hmm. seeing your word rightly. That's, that's what like fasting does, I think. It's like prepares us, um, putting a seedbed, you know, that God plants the seed of revelation in the seedbed of fasting where we, yeah. we lay ourselves down. I don't, I don't know if that answers that or not, but... Yeah. No, no, I mean, I think it's good. Yeah, so you just kind of, it in, I guess, I'm trying to think of in a specific, do you have any, like, specific context where you've, like, did you have to choose turkey, or did they choose that for you? No, so... So, like, was that kind of, you got that decision through prayer fasting or something? Well, yeah, a a little bit. That kind of, it's, like, kind of a long story, so I won't, like, like, tax everyone with it right now, I guess, but... I felt called to Turkey in 2013. Oh, okay. Um, uh-huh. And, and I, I'd kept that inside of me all the way through transitioning colleges and graduating from Lee University, going into leading worship at a church in ministry, serving in ministry, getting out of ministry, served by just working at a normal job. And yeah. then all of a sudden last spring, this door opened for me to be a part of this mission school. And so that, that dream that, has weaved mm-hmm. itself all the way through my life. So Turkey is a little bit specific, but the way that those teams were decided yeah. were they were presented to us in the entire school. There were about 30 some of us students. There were four different locations. And they basically said of those four locations, you know, give us a piece of paper with your first, second, third, and fourth pick. Um, they gave us time to, to pray over that and just you know, dialogue with God about that. And then ultimately that decision game town came down to the leadership coming down to fasting and praying about every team that was chosen. Uh And so we had a say, you know,
but ultimately like that that decision making was like in the hands yeah of the leaders because like you know like some people had no preference where they were sent they just wanted to go somewhere yeah some people felt very called like i felt very called to turkey and there that was a location that was available yeah. so i i was just like well i mean i think i want to go there you know i feel like it's been in my life for so long i want to it's like fulfilling a calling in a sense um so yeah i guess that's that's how that worked out okay cool yeah that's cool yeah, you do? Okay, cool. You tired? No. Oh. Okay. Yeah. How do you want to end that? You want to pray? Sure, we can pray. Is it me? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, you're you all want to pray? You're the swap off? Swap <laughs> off? You're Anybody the join leader. in? I'm not the leader. Yeah. I just set up my phone in the middle of the table. All right. Yeah. Father, we just come before you right now. We just thank you for your son, Jesus. Um, I just thank you for Cameron, for everything you put in his heart. I thank you that you're continually preparing his heart and uh, opening his eyes to the right decisions on where he's going to choose to go. And I thank you that um, as he seeks you, you just reveal yourself clearer and clearer to him and let him draw near to you as you draw near to him. Um, that you work a better unity and just more of a unity and oneness with your Holy Spirit that just that everyone can see Christ through him and yeah. Christ's light through him. And let, let his face fade away and just everybody see the love of Christ that just glows from his face. And I just thank you for that, Father. And we just thank you um, for this time we got to come and uh, all share. I thank you for Brandon and Evie being here, yes. that you continually grow in their lives as they seek you and desire you. And you do the same for them and give them more clarity and um, revelation and just a hunger and desire on their lives and in their hearts. And we just thank you for this time that we got to come and talk about you and talk about your. Yeah. Son, Jesus Christ, and just, yeah. um, you are holy, 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 and we, we worship you. Um, all blessing and glory and honor and power to you forever and ever. Amen. 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 Why is it? You haven't said anything. Why are you being so 